Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared on Sunday, November 19th, from the end of Matthew, chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Let us pray. Lord, I ask that you speak through me once again this morning. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth give honor to you and your holy word. Please continue to guide me with your words to send and equip this flock to grow your family and show your love. I ask all of this in the name of our crucified and resurrected Savior, who died and rose for our sins. Amen. Hello, friends. Well, this Sunday, as I said in our welcome, we're in week two of our three-week stewardship sermon series called Parables and Possessions. And we're looking at three parables from the Gospel of Matthew. Last week, we looked at the parable of the faithful servant. The main point of that parable from Jesus is to keep the end in mind. He's telling us he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but we definitely know he is coming back. Keeping the end in mind affects how we handle the gifts that God has given to us. Don't make financial plans just for tomorrow or next month or next year. Make financial plans for the inevitable end, the day of reckoning, when the Master returns. Begin with the end in mind, being intentional. Now at the risk of repeating myself, but I I think it's good to restate once again in case you were here last week. I want to just visit with you a little bit about my personal beliefs about when it comes to stewardship. God has given us everything. Everything. Our lives, our homes, our occupation, our families, our possessions. He gives us that number that's in your bank account this morning. Without God, we would have nothing. Everything that I have is from God. Now, it took me a while to get there. It took me a while as I grow as a Christian to realize and believe that and to live my life that way. But there's still a struggle. Every once in a while, you catch yourself, probably more often than once in a while, catching yourself yourself saying, that's mine. That's ours, right? Look at what I have. It's God's. Here's how I approach stewardship. Being intentional. Sitting down and talking with my wife about what we should be doing with all that God has entrusted us with. 
then when we do make a decision on what we should do with the money God has entrusted us with, we should give with joy. God wants a cheerful and thankful giver. Not a giver who gives because they have to or because, well, that's what the Bible says we said we should do, right? Look at this way. You have to pay your taxes, don't you? I don't want you to think of your stewardship to God the same way you think of your, of your taxes. I want you to find joy in what you give to God, and so does God. And that brings us to today's parable, the parable of the talents. Now, talent in this case is not something you do well, like play a sport or sing. A talent is actually a measure of money. And we're going to find out that a talent is quite a bit of money. You know, some of us don't think we have talents. We don't think we have things that we're good at. We all have talents, but sometimes we do make mistakes as humans. There's a website called You Had One Job, and they feature people who had one job, one thing they had to do right, but maybe they made a slight error, like that one, or that one. Walt Disney World, you ever been there? Something seems to be awry on the top of that carton. Open nine days a week? Go, right? Notre Dame's a fine establishment, but she's got the song, or the, excuse me, the sign backwards as she's holding up to get the crowd to cheer. We have one job, too. That's the big idea of today's parable. To know the generosity of Jesus. To know the generosity of Jesus. Know the generosity of Jesus, not just with my head, but with my heart. Not with my mind, but with my emotions. That is the big idea in today's parable that teaches us about money management. Know the generosity of Jesus. He gives us a financial model. It's all a gift. Jesus said, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. These verses have two key words for us today. The first is entrusted. Now when we put our money in the bank, we don't give our money to the bank, do we? We entrust our money to the bank. Just so when the Lord entrusts the servants with his money, he doesn't outright give it to them. He entrusts it to them. Entrusted. The Lord owns the money. The servants manage the money. And as the parable go on, goes on, the Lord still owns the money, and the servants just manage the money. Now the first two servants agree. They both use the word entrusted when they talk with the Lord. Now the third servant, he doesn't use the word entrusted at all. Even though when he talks to the Lord, he talks three times as long as the other two servants do. The second key word for us is talent. Now our English word talent refers to a person's ability to do something with great success, right? America's Got Talents, TV show, right? To see what talents people have. But in the New Testament, a talent is a monetary unit. 
like a dollar or a peso. Now, if you're like me, for a long time, I thought a talent was just one coin. So a person has five coins or two coins or a single coin, that's not a big deal, is it? Not a great amount of money. Well, I started looking into a boy was I wrong. You see, calculating money equivalents from the ancient world is it's always problematic because it's inconsistent. And there's a difficulty in relating money to purchasing power then as it is to now. So a talent was primarily a measure of weight. A standard varied somewhat over the centuries from its first appearance in history from 3000 B.C. to the New Testament. Now originally when talents came about, it seemed to have represented the load or the amount a person could carry. That was estimated to be 65 pounds. 65 pounds. Now by the time the New Testament times come around, the most common standard would have made a a talent equivalent to 3,000 shekels or 6,000 denarii. They estimated to be 45 to 46 pounds. As a monetary value, a talent would refer to a weight-based measure of silver or gold and was the largest denomination in common use, though few people would have ever encountered a talent. As I was reading that, it was kind of like when I was a young kid the first time I saw a $100 bill, right, when you were a kid? In terms of purchasing power, the monetary value of a silver talent at the time of Jesus would have been right around the neighborhood of 20 years of wages. So if you guys gave me a talent today, you wouldn't have to pay me again until I retire, okay? One talent is equivalent to 20 years' wages. Five talents, then, the amount entrusted to the first servant is the equivalent of 100 years' worth of wages. That's a lot of money. And what's it say in this parable? It's all a gift. Entrusted to us. Anybody else, when they were a kid? Well, kids don't do it now. Maybe they do. You, sp- you spent hours playing hide-and-go-seek when you were a kid, right? Especially after dark. It was, it was easier to hide. And we played a lot of hide-and-go-seek in my neighborhood. And when you couldn't find people, what did you do? You had to yell out, right? Ollie, ollie, oxen free. But if you do some investigating, that's originally what the word, the words weren't ollie, oxen, ollie, ollie, oxen free. Originally the words were all and all and all are free. All and all and all are free. That's Christ's financial model. All and all and all are free. It's all a generous gift, a gift entrusted to us. And it's just not in this parable, it's all throughout the Bible. It's a consistent message. Psalm 23, my cup overflows. John 10, 10, I have come so that you may have life abundantly. 1 John 3, behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us. Overflows, abundant, lavished. All and all and all are free. The financial model, it's all a gift, a generous gift entrusted to all of us. Now, Jesus gives us a financial mission. It's all about God's kingdom. It's all about God's kingdom. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. 
so also he who had two talents made two talents more. It says he went at once. The first servant is so thrilled that he wastes no time. He immediately throws himself into investing in God's kingdom. The financial mission, it's all about God's kingdom. At our church, our offerings help support kingdom work. Sunday school, music ministry, the blessing box out front, our senior adult ministry, and so much more. The financial model, it's all a gift. The financial mission, it's all about God's kingdom. Now, the financial meaning, it's all accountable. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. This is an ongoing theme we see in Matthew. In Jesus' five teaching blocks in, in Matthew's gospel, especially when you get to the end, Matthew's 24 and 25. Right? We had the parable of the faithful servant last, last week. The Lord is delayed. Then there's the parable of the ten virgins. The bridegroom is delayed. And for us today, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. One job, right? Know the generosity of Jesus. The first two servants do their one job. How can we tell? When people know with their head and their heart the generosity of Jesus, they faithfully manage money entrusted to them. Christ responds to the first two servants, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's the good news. Now there's some sad news in this parable. If you don't know the generosity of Jesus with your head and your heart, if we ignore the generosity of Jesus, if we even reject the generosity of Jesus, we may never faithfully manage money entrusted to us. Take a look. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. You had one job, sir. one talent. Know the generosity of Jesus. And he says, I knew you to be a hard man. Really? Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where he did he scattered no seed? That's what you think of Jesus? But that's what some think about Jesus. This is our Jesus. Betrayed by Judas, right? He was mocked by the crowds, denied by Peter, forsaken by the disciples, unjustly accused in court. He was sentenced to death by a Roman governor. He was crowned with thorns and scourged by Roman soldiers just short of his death. God in the flesh was betrayed for us. He was abandoned for us. He bled for us and he was crucified for us. Jesus did it all for you. For you and your salvation. It's astounding. It really is. When you think about it, it's beyond astounding. But it's true. In return, Jesus tells us to know the generosity of this Jesus. And if we don't, it could be a financial mistake. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. 
I've always thought if it was one coin, big deal hiding that in the ground, right? That doesn't take too long. If he's got 45 pounds of money, it's a pretty good-sized hole. It's not like it's a coffee can, is it? It took some time to do that. The third servant ends up doing what with the money? He buries it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why? When we don't know Jesus, when we don't know the generosity of Jesus, we live in fear, and fear causes us to misuse money. People make risky investments. They gamble. They stockpile. They become greedy. Fear causes us to completely misuse money. Now, to misuse money reflects something that's usually going on within us. Usually our actions or our reactions come from and can point out an even deeper thing that's going on in our lives. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's a lack of trust. Maybe it's anxiety and worry that overtakes us. Now this parable is not about doubling your investments. This parable isn't about accumulating wealth. This parable is about knowing Jesus. About knowing his mercy and his grace and his love. And from knowing the mercy and grace of love of Jesus, we then cheerfully and faithfully use the money entrusted to us to invest in God's kingdom. I'm sure everybody's had this thought at one point or another. Most people, even people that don't play the lottery, dream about what they would do if they won all that money, right? Especially when you're going down, I know there's a couple billboards when you go into Omaha, right? Today's jackpot is, and it's got a big, huge number on it, right? Hundreds of millions of dollars. What would you do if you won the lottery? Sometimes we catch ourselves thinking, and even making promises to God, well, if I, if I won the lottery, I'd invest in God's kingdom. Maybe my second uncle, four times removed, maybe he leaves me a bunch of money. Then, then I'll invest in God's kingdom. Maybe it's when I first get my first million dollars. Then I'll invest in God's kingdom. But human nature tells us no. We probably won't. Because if we're selfish with what we have, just a few dollars, we'll be selfish with a million dollars. The issue isn't about what you would do with a million dollars. The issue is what am I doing with the money entrusted to me now? Because my financial decisions will never change until I get my one job in this life right to know the generosity of Jesus. Here is Jesus, the Lord of love and mercy. Right? Coming on the last day, this is the day the master came back to the servants. To renew the heavens and the earth. Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. right? The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Good Shepherd, the Light of the world, the Bright Morning Star, the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It will be a joy on that last day when the master comes back. To stand before the crucified and risen Jesus with robes washed white in his blood. Rejoicing that the Holy Spirit empowered us to put his gifts to work. Cheerfully, faithfully, and joyfully.
we did it all for his glory and the growth of his kingdom. Christ will then speak, relate, will speak words related to our use of our gifts that we have gotten. What we have longed for him to hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. How will this happen? To know the generosity of Jesus, isn't it? For to know the generosity of Jesus, that changes everything, doesn't it? Absolutely everything in our lives, including our gifts that include our money. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless. <laughs>